Hi everyone, welcome to Queer Sounds. As always, my name is Hannah. Thanks again for listening. This is part two of our little mini-series with musicians. Um, usually I try to spread them out a little bit, but, you know, sometimes as requests rolled in, I decided to, to lean in on it and get a little bit closer to that um, inbox zero. Um, but yeah, with that out of the way, this is the first time uh, this is this is the first time I've had a, I'm having guests on, who have been featured on the show before, uh, not as a guest in the previous episode, but as an artist uh, that got picked by someone to to get played in the show. Um, I feel like I'm already rambling, but so please, uh, Natalie Taylor, take it away. Welcome. Hey, what's up? My name is Taylor. And I am Natalie, and thank you so much for having us. We're today. from the really band Hey King. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the band Hey King, as has been featured on our episode with uh, with with Lee from uh, from our friends over at History Is Gay. Um, you know each other, right? We did the Z Night retreat together. The greatest place on earth. Greatest. Some place. people say Disneyland. I say it's the Zenite retreat. Yeah, <laughs> like Xena Warrior Princess. Uh, if it was a convention, but out in the woods and done and up like, like a, a summer camp. camp. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. All right. Um, just to to get everything on record here. Um, what are your pronouns? Uh, I'm she, her. I'm Natalie, and she, her. Uh, I'm Taylor, and she, her. Today. Yep. <laughs> All right, cool. So, uh, the uh, album has just been released. Uh, it's been less than a month now. Before we dive into like the actual deep conversation, um, I just wanted to give you some some time to go ahead and plug it. Yeah, well, the record just came out uh, April 9th everywhere, and uh, we're super excited about it. It's... Uh, 11 songs, uh, all produced by Ben Harper with Anti-Records, uh, Anti-Epitaph, and what, what can we tell you? I don't um, know. Has it, has, it been a long, has it been a long time coming? Was it a tough journey towards the album? It has been. I mean, it's been a, it's been a crazy journey uh, since starting Hey King, um, and we've been in the works with Anti for a couple of years now, but with the pandemic, our whole album got pushed back a year, so it's been a very crazy time uh this last year you know waiting to to put out music so we're super excited that it's finally out there and um it's been really cool to see what people are thinking and and that they're out there listening <laughs> to it we can't wait to get out there and start playing again you know there's this one interview that i read with you that says there was one particular old lady that was very fond of the of the of the music video with the girls kissing at the end <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah we got hit up on uh our our uh was it our personal facebook pages she found us somehow and um just started commenting all these things about how like you're going to hell uh man shall not lay with man <laughs> and like like i watched it and then she sends us a, a follow-up to like her first just kind of like bigot type email to us and then she does a follow-up like a few days later saying 
I just watched it again, and I am appalled. I've watched it two more times, and I still think it's it's terrible for the Bible. And it's the music video Half Alive that we came out with. And we actually recorded that, uh, like we re- did the music video for that, of course, during the pandemic as well. And so we ended up being like, well, let's... Uh, make out in it and throw a bunch of paint at each other (laughs) in a big white psych room and it was a mess and super fun but we love that video but you know facebook algorithms are funny and you never know who's gonna come across your stuff and for some reason yeah we got hit by a number of people for that one but that one lady i just love that like she just had to keep going back and watching it again just to make sure it still offended her But hey, as far as Facebook algorithms go and YouTube algorithm by extension, uh, by by extent as well, like she is at least boosting it by leaving all of those comments. So you know, yeah, <laughs> bring it on. We're we're happy. <laughs> all right. Um, first track of the day. It's "Take to the Sky" by Tori Amos. listen to a lot of Tori Amos in preparation for this episode um, but why did you specifically listen uh, why did you specifically pick this track you know I think you know I'd never realized what an influence Tori was until later in life where like when people were asking us and I was going back to be like what did I listen to a lot as a kid that probably shaped like not only arrangements because I went back and started listening to her again and was like wow she brought in French horn and trumpet and all these like beautiful orchestral and like almost score sounding arrangements underneath her songs but for me it was her ballsiness and her sense of humor that i still don't understand how this woman was able to break out into the world and just be like fuck it like let me just be me and like i don't care like from the way that she played to like the humor that she drops and i feel like this song in particular like it's a b-side that i came across that i was like oh my god i used to listen to this all the time because when i was a kid i'd go to like spin records and places and i'd find like all the the, like the european released like tori amos stuff and and all the b-side albums and this was one of those songs where she's just like this is what i'm supposed to do 
And, like, you can say whatever you want to about it, but, like, watch this, bitch. Yeah, watch this. <laughs> In, like, a really sweet way. But I, I really love that about her, and I, it's something that I realize, like, I have a lot of respect for. And, and it like, helped shape you. And it helped, yeah, shape me as an artist to, like, not necessarily have to separate humor from... Um, from music or from vulnerability and you can have all of it in the same song so was the long discussion um before deciding okay we're definitely gonna have a tori amos track on uh on today's square sounds or was that just like right out of the gate yeah no there's got to be at least one tori amos song (laughs) yeah at least one it was a it was a done deal i never knew her when i was like i natalie introduced her to me when we like first started dating and i was like dang this girl's really badass. <laughs> I mean, and then like she showed me like some live footage from her and like the way that she just straddles the piano bench, like it's just really boss energy. <laughs> right? Yeah, it really was. It was just like big boss energy because I can't say the other words. But uh, yeah, um, so it was definitely gonna be a pick. Like we just had to pick which Tori Amos song because I like the the more like white horses and like yeah, the winter, fluttery yeah. one and winter and. But then we listened to this one and it was like, perfect. This is exactly how we want to start this podcast off. It was really cool. So um, do both of you, I guess, remember like around what age you were when you first started listening to Tori Amos? Because this song in particular, 1992. I mean, I don't know about you, but it's definitely two years before I was born. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, this <laughs> me was <too. laughs> me digging through stuff in like... I mean, it, it was way after this came out, but I would go through, like, spin records, and I would, like, try to find CDs that, like, spoke to me, and I just remember seeing her face uh, on the back of, I think it was Under the Pink, and I was like, who is this goddess? <laughs> like, a beautiful, <laughs> red-headed, green-eyed, beautiful person. Okay, okay, babe, calm down. You look a lot like her, Taylor. Calm down. I mean, I got really lucky here. But, I mean, it was definitely, like, a 10-year-old crush where I was, like, and picking out albums that were had come out a long time before. It was the same way with me for, like, Nine Inch Nails and Tool and stuff. I had come across, like, stuff from back. Yeah, and- I don't know, that was, like, a really cool... Yeah. record store that I was like really into like indie and for like, me I started dating this awesome chick and she's like have you heard this and I think I was like in my 20s in my early 20s I was 20 or 21 when you showed me because by the time I got to see Tori in concert when I was like 13 or so she was on her like fifth album I think it was the live album but before that yeah, I would. Ju- I would just went back and did a deep dive, of course, of all of her records. <laughs> like, hey, that's not so. Uh, that's good. Yeah, that was cool. That means she left an impression on you. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, is the is the record store th- uh, still a thing? Because you know, I've I've got a bunch of CDs myself, but you know, I can imagine like if one person is really into records and the other maybe not as much you're still gonna have a living room full of records is that is that the deal here no we don't we everything's on spotify um everything's on pandora we have yeah i mean (laughs) you have cds from like the 90s and 2000s or like from the well that's what i say when i say record store like i mean cds yeah but it was spin records was the name of the place as far as our house currently and we've been living together for almost six years um no, there's no records or CDs here except for like ours right now because like we're such music people. <laughs> but as far as like 
what we listen to, it's all like Bluetooth speakers and from our phones and stuff. Yeah, that's how I mostly listen to music as well. I just, you know, like to show off a large collection. Oh, Definitely. that's cool. Well, Hey King just came out. That was cool. We went to the same record store when I was in San Diego uh, visiting my mom. The one that she grew up in, too. And, like, in the first bin, like, as soon as you entered the door, there was new releases, and we saw our physical album there. And that was such a surreal experience yeah that's awesome that was like what like april 10th that just yeah. happened just yeah. happened so. dang so the vinyl's out everywhere. so i hope i hope people really love records because uh you can go get a physical one of ours <laughs> sorry plug plugging <laughs> did did you put some did you pick some some extra tlc into the physical releases or is that just something that you know is part of the deal no, nah, we're still working on that. Um, luckily, our label is very like tight with like the the record store community throughout the entire like what nation, and yeah. so they they definitely made make it a priority to get physical placements in record stores that are thriving in like the small towns and the larger towns. So that okay. was really cool to just like walk in and see a copy of our of our album there. Um, we'll be doing some in-store but yeah, shows and when, stuff. When the, it, it's just really hard right now because of the pandemic, but like even when we walked into Lou's Records in Encinitas, San Diego, uh, he was like, do you guys want to do something in our parking lot or like an in-store show? And that was really cool that like that's still a, a thing the, that people can come. The physical album has a lot of love in it. We, uh, we had fun designing that whole thing from scratch and it's all like handwritten lyrics and journal yeah. entry stuff and pictures and... Things like that. It's, it's so you mentioned that you also had the um, uh, that you were in the talks with Anti Records for quite some time. How how did that even came to be? Like, what did they approach you? Did you approach them? They approached us because Ben was producing our EP. Or no, no, the EP didn't happen until last year. What's what's twenty twenty? Um, <laughs> what was cool with Ben producing is that it definitely opened some doors, but it didn't push us through any doors and i remember uh andy the president of anti came out to see a show of ours uh on the main stage at hotel cafe in la and he was like you know i came here because ben told me it was cool but i am staying afterwards to talk because i freaking love it and let's chat and sometimes it, it opened a door for sure for people to come out and listen but you know anti is such an incredible label and their roster, you know, has always been, we're always been huge fans of, of their artists. So it was really cool to have them approach us and, and start those talks. The water that you're hearing is our dog slurping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just about to ask. <laughs> yeah, that's just how we, we drink water. <laughs> okay, Finn. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking at the, um, the, the anti-roster right now. And uh, Japan Droids, Title Fight. Oh my God, Title Fight! I miss that band so much. But yeah, what did did you specifically uh, jump on Anti as soon as you got the chance, or you know, were there were, was there some competition going on? Because you know, I'm more of a music industry nerd than I'd like to admit, but also I kind of like to brag about it and dive into. <laughs> yeah, no, I I feel that. What was really cool about Anti though was they had such a wide range of artists but one thing that was really consistent and that we were we were noticing when he would come to the studio with us was like it was really really amazing to be with andy who's the vice president of president of anti 
in the studio when we were like still working on this album because he was like artist first a hundred percent and i think that like that was a huge thing that sold me um natalie might want to yeah, talk about something else i think while else, we were but... speaking to to other labels like he in particular you know made a lot of effort to come by the studio to show up uh, yeah. yeah that was really cool and they definitely like are about are not about like shaping like what it is that you sorry if our dog is breathing loudly um it's about like getting the best out of that artist and what it is that they want to say and then making the space for that which is an you know an incredible situation to be in with a label so how important was it for you to uh be in a label altogether like was there a is there is there a parallel universe in which you would have just released the album independent sure i mean i love this label and i think that like the roads that all kind of winded together was like exactly where we were supposed to be when we were supposed to be but it's about the music first and foremost so it would have gotten out regardless yeah i mean i've done that route it. before a bit and it's definitely was exciting to have a team like to build behind that that Boom. definitely feels differently to to feel like you're not alone up against the world trying to get your your stuff heard you have other people like fighting for you so it was a big shift to be with the label right so mostly at least in my in my musical bubble a record label is you know the uh, the greedy corporate world um but i imagine it also must have opened a lot of doors to you i mean yeah i mean Not it makes really the platform a little bit bigger to to reach new audiences like to get out to you to get out to like we've been having a ton of write-ups uh from rolling stone france and germany and you know i i'm not sure how long or what it would have taken to get to that reach so that definitely is a is a difference with being with a record label i mean simply their network and their it's not like you think it is like where it's like they take you and they place you in a ton of situations it's just that they can open lines of communication that are that are very different than uh what you do on your own you know but the hustle right, with yeah. or without representation yeah, still... is still the same <laughs> like there's still just as much if not more hustle because now like you have a whole team that you don't want to let down like so it's i don't know like for me like with like being with the label it's like pushing me to like hustle even harder than i did before we were signed because now it's like we have so much that we want to do not only for ourselves but for our teams behind us what did you specifically mean with the hustle the hustle oh, like good like you know like the hustle like like okay always being on emails like following up with things uh putting ourselves out there um if like you know opportunities aren't especially with the pandemic like if opportunities aren't happening to play shows like okay how else can we exercise an ability to get our music out to people like whether that's like you know instagram live shows or or signing up to do like different virtual concert series like for other uh platforms that are doing virtual concerts like it's just been a lot of um like you know, hu hustle I don't, i don't know how to explain all right, that yeah, any, anything but making music actually <laughs> yeah or you know pulling off all yeah. these music videos this year like, <clears throat> oh that, that was, was the hustle us, we, we ended know? up becoming like a whole production company during covid because uh it was we, so limited it was very limited and we had to get these music videos out there luckily taylor's an amazing filmmaker and Aww. she has trained me well over the last few years and so between the two of us we Have you know she has a great network out. of uh, cinematographers that love to work with her and so to 
you know, grab them on board and it would just be the three of us. Yeah, and they did an amazing job. Right, yeah, as far as I've checked, you're probably the first guests that I've got that I, that, that I have on with an IMDb page. Oh, nice. But, you know, uh, if now we're in a, on, on a roll when it comes to talking about the album anyway, like uh, the the sound specifically, like that, did that just come to be like naturally or did you actively think about, okay, we want it to sound like that and that and that and that? Like starting it off each song we approach with, what does this song want to sound like and say? Like that's why a lot of our songs like sound like they don't even belong on the same record, some of them, like because they're so different. Natalie's in an end, amazing arranger, arranger, like, and she hears things. It feels like almost out of the air, and she'll like just be sitting down on the couch, and I'll look over, and it feels like she disappears into like the ethers, and then she'll like kind of like snap back into, and then go grab a guitar, and then just, I, it's it's such an amazing thing to be a part of. Well, I think just, like yeah. playing live, like I had the groundwork for what like I knew I wanted in each song. So when we played live, there was already, you know, sheet music and uh, arrangements written for trumpet and French horn and strings and then guitar, bass, drums and two vocals. And so like anything that we had full blown arrangements for, you know, it started off there and then we built off of it more and more in the studio because uh, studios like a magical magical place where you can keep adding and subtracting things until you get the sounds you want but in terms of like coming into it we definitely had like the you know it wasn't like out of the blue like here's a guitar and a vocal and then let's build in the studio like we knew what what these songs were supposed to sound like and then we just added from there so with your own songs and with tori amos you mentioned specifically the french horn as a featured instrument is that a coincidence or is that some active influence i think that that was a subconscious like also the french horn and i didn't even come from a tori amos background that was natalie and the french horn for me has just been like the angel's instrument so i've always like gravitated to more of the like orchestral arranged songs especially in the sense of like indie rock or rock it just has a completely different component to it. Um, For me, like a uh, trumpet kind of was similar to, I used to play a lot more with strings and I felt like the French horn is very similar to the cello in that it's almost like soft waves of sound. Like it's just a very uh, grounding like swells where the trumpet is more of like a triumphant singular instrument for us. And so having those two together was something that, I always had started on quite a few years ago, but, and then when going back and listening to Tori, I was like, I think definitely subconsciously, I'd be like, oh my God, there's a French horn in the middle of this song. Like, how the hell did I like not realize this? But you know, those things influence you when you're a kid and you don't even realize that that's part of your makeup a little bit. So I was under the impression that, um, you know, because you were working with a label, they would, I don't know, hand you a bag of money, like here, go and, uh, (laughs) Take the take. Here, here's a bag of money. Go hire an orchestra to play the French horn for you. But from the way you're talking about it now, it sounds like you all played it yourself. <laughs> well, we, we ha- had in studio musicians, but absolutely not. Well, first of all, Ben, you know, took a huge risk on us and used his own money way before the label came in to to rent studio space and to call in favors of friends. We brought in our bandmates that all play these instruments. Uh, him and I both play like guitar bass drums 
piano, uh, like all of those instruments. And so we were jumping from thing to thing before any uh, musicians before anybody were else brought came in. in. Like, yeah. All right. I don't know. Is that is that a very dumb question for me to ask? Because you sounded very surprised. No, it just would like that would be the dream. That would be the dream. <laughs> so that's why we're laughing. Is like oh, that would be so nice. Just if, a like, bag of money and then just to go away in the studio for a while. That would be the dream. Yeah, but it definitely went backwards in an amazing way, though. Ben took a huge risk on us. He put his money out up front. And as the producer, um, you know, when we signed to the label, he was reimbursed for the money that he put out. And we went from there with them where, you know, they've helped us build out the rest of the record, the mastering, the mixing costs. The physical uh, records were released on Anti. So, like, they have been such a strong support for us. Like, we are so fucking... Sorry, I was going to cuss again. We were we were so grateful for Anti. I mean, you can you can cuss on this podcast. <laughs> what I mean, the fuck, Taylor? I've been I've been trying to censor like every single time I'm about to like cuss on something. Okay, I'll thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, don't worry about it. No, I just really I I'm just feeling really grateful for the label because like we yeah they they took care of a lot of like back parts, but as far as like the actual songs that you're hearing on this album, it was. Ben. Yeah. Ben Harper played such an incredible, like, a fairy godfather role for us. The experience was immeasurable. Alright, I think it's about time to dive into track number two for today. Tegan and Sarah uh, walking with a ghost. No matter which way you go No matter which way you stay You're out of my mind Out of my mind Out of my mind Out of my track from 2004 um i mean it's been almost 40 episodes and tegan and sarah definitely falls into cat into the category of artists i'm surprised i didn't play before so um yeah take it away was this another another straight out of the gate yes it's got to be tegan and sarah or did this one take a little bit more discussion no 100 percent. i was like tegan and sarah they're my girls uh they like i think i came across them when i was like early middle school or like just as a kid and my friends and i actually used to grab like those random camcorders the ones that like first came out with the sd card slots and we were like what probably like 11 and we would film ourselves doing like weird music videos to tegan and sarah songs like walking with a ghost was one the con was one um we were just uh, speak awful. speak slow was one of my favorite ones that me and my middle school friends like put together like little like 
showcase of it. And like, we would just like, it, I've always just been so touched by Tegan and Sarah. And they came out when I was like a kid kid too. So that was really and nice to like have like that representation out. If you're ever feeling depressed, um, Google <laughs> Google the live version of, of Closer with, uh, with Taylor, Taylor Swift. Swift. Um, covering it with Tegan and Sarah on stage and it's the cutest funniest thing you'll ever see to see like two <laughs> like queer Canadians like attempt to dance along with like A Taylor's m- yeah, yeah like mastered choreography of this song is one of the most adorable things I've ever seen in my life so and walking with a ghost specifically because of the because of the old music videos and you know around the time it came out it became a nostalgia thing or is there another reason we haven't touched upon yet i thought the music video for that was was pretty cool um i liked the color plays in the audience but i love this song just because like it's weird because it's kind of poppy but it also leaves me feeling a bit lost it's just a really good song um because the lyrics like i don't know like because it has like this fun vibe but like i have not ever gone away from listening to this song without feeling way more like under the surface than just like the the instrumentation and the vocal lines of walking yeah, with a ghost like it's that. it's a bit like it's lonely even though it's fun to listen to and so i i wanted to pick this one because it's super well done and there's always like layers and layers to it depending on how you're feeling that song can take on different forms Right. I uh personally started listening to Tegan and Sarah when they um already hit, you know, the the closer era and and beyond, so you know, more into the synthy stuff. So listening to this track was quite a surprise to me and it took me quite a while to place it. Um but I really like uh how you describe it there like calling it lonely because, you know, that's what you'd expect when when you've got a song called Walking with a Ghost. So um, you mentioned you made those little music videos when uh, when you were like 11 years old. And there is one question I got to ask before we move on. Are those still available to watch somewhere? Nope. Because that's <laughs> nope. No. I actually really loved them. Uh, not just, you know, being a kid, you know, and not knowing how to organize media banks. And I was one of those kids that from, I think, the end of my elementary school, I always had a camera on me throughout high school so having a camera on you and always filming things and then editing them on like what was it windows movie maker or or iMovie like back when it first came out like that was oh it was probably out for a little bit but for me it was (laughs) very new i don't know where they went i bet you anything they were just deleted on one of the many computers because i was also like going from house to house a lot of my childhood life so what they just got lost and who knows maybe they show up again somewhere and i don't know maybe that would be really cool you guys met when you were like nine years old right (laughs) no but but when we did meet, no, nah, when we met, I think I was like 20, 20 or no, I was 21 when I met Natalie. Um, and we've been together like huh. pretty much ever since. And the nine year old thing that I think that you might be referring to is when we met, she like saw me across the room and came up to me. And that's right. It was awesome. And then I, for some reason, I don't know, something possessed me. I am grateful for the universe for this. Like every freaking day I get to wake up with the love of my life. But something possessed me. And when I'm introducing myself to this girl, I put out my hand and instead of being like, hi, I'm Taylor. I'm like, hey, do do you know this handshake? And I proceed to do this like crazy eight step. It's not a normal handshake. Like it's like this weird eight step intricate 
handshake and she knew every movement of my handshake yeah and I hadn't done that handshake with anybody since like my best friend when I was like nine years old and I never met oh, another yeah. person who knew that handshake and neither did Taylor and never. so I have no idea what made you I don't make know that choice but we both Fate. like just stood there in shock being like what like just this whole long crazy handshake and then just yeah it's history all right. So, um, you know, that kind of puts my uh, puzzle of the outlines that I've written here, uh, you know, in, in, in the trash because, you know, I was going to ask you, OK, if you knew each other for that long, uh, did your music influence each other in any way? Um, but I guess that's still a question I can ask. It will just be over a, short a shorter time period. Um, so, yeah. Did your taste in music kind of merge together over time? Well, she, oh, she makes me listen to all this emo. <laughs> I do. I do. I do. It's not garbage. <laughs> I'm it's, just kidding. It's amazing. Correction. <laughs> emo punk greatness. <laughs> uh, I love band. I love emo bands. Um, no, I when I met her, she gave me a CD. And That's my one move. It was great, though. And it became <laughs> the more I listened to it, the more I was like amazed. And I would play it in my car before every audition, before like I was brand new to L.A. And it became like the soundtrack of my life. Oh, and it was just so good. And I was definitely a huge fan from the first notes on that EP that she gave me. And it was her influence or her music has influenced me as like a creator. And Taylor unbelievably shaped Hey King. Um, and my music because a she's like my freaking muse, <laughs> and so oh thanks babe. like you know us being together uncovered like a ton of other layers and material that I wasn't singing about or writing about or anything like that. Once um she joined the band, you know it shaped a lot of the songs itself and having you know dual vocal lines and songs where you have incredible like conversations within the songs. It shaped it a lot. Right. So, you know, you two being a couple and all, like, it's it, it, it's been mentioned on this podcast already a couple of times. It's not omnipresent in any of the biographies that I've read. Um, is that a deliberate choice? No. Nope. <laughs> no, it's an ongoing conversation. Uh, it's an ongoing conversation right now. I, I want the music to lead first, I think, is what's happening, right? We, we want the, as a team, as a Hey King team, <laughs> we want the music to lead first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think we are new in terms of like, you know, Anti's roster of being a, like a queer couple fronted band. And I think it's just navigating with this first record, you know, what to lead with and have the music speak first or, you know, and then there's Ben's involvement, which is huge and let people kind of discover that there's like a relationship going on inside of, I mean, it's, it becomes very obvious when you listen to the music or you see the videos, but yeah, I think it's just been interesting to watch how it's rolled out and, and presented to the world. Does it ever make you feel uncomfortable? Because, you know, there are two examples uh, that, that come up when I think of couples in bands, uh, neither of them, I, I want to say ended, but I guess Fleetwood Mac is still playing. Um, the other one being the White Stripes, like that that, that ended in divorce. Are, does that ever make you feel uncomfortable? Nah, she's my life partner. <laughs> she's not getting away from me. Cute. Like love, also, like love. love it's of a my huge life. commitment. I think that when we sign the contracts for this, and it could be up to you know three records, so that's like you know a good eight 
years. I mean, it's you're going into something creatively with someone. You're being tied to them for life, you know. And, and I think that we were already in a place in our relationship where, you know, we both we want to get married and we see our lives together. So it's not too scary to jump into yeah. that realm at all because that's because I found you. I know there's some successful ones out there too. Yeah, yeah, probably. I just you don't read about them in the papers because they're successful and therefore not interesting for any high big news media, right? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know any examples off of my head, but I'll, I'll, I'll sure to look into it. Hey, King, um, that's one. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Uh, yeah, you, you, you mentioned the lyrics already as well. Like, I bet there's a lot of cute little lovey-dovey moments where you write about each other, or is that, is that something you'd like to keep out of the way? No, I mean, one, one of the things that I have so much respect for Taylor for, and I love that I got into like that I found Taylor and that we have this amazing relationship as the fact that like when I you know I had the band when we met and she knew that I was a songwriter and one of the first things that she said was like do not ever censor yourself like no topic is off limits no subject no interactions we have like if something inspires you go for it and that was an incredible gift because I didn't know what that would be like, both being in a band together for it. So not only like do you have to listen to whatever song, but you also like either have to co-write it or co-sing it, you know, these stories. And so having that freedom um, to let the relationship influence it in whatever ways it does, you know, that's that's been a big part of it. And I we don't necessarily sit down and be like, Let's write a love song. <laughs> no. Uh, if anything, like it, one of my favorites is Sorry. And that all stems from, you know, just having like a time where it was like a few months where you just get into like arguments and tiffs and writing a song together from there that kind of, you know, breaks down like what's going on. And at the end of the day, like proving that you're on each other's team. Um, so I love songs like that, that like just, just have a twist on a love song. You know, with, um, Having written love songs, the queer experience is also bound to come up. How how do you intertwine that in your music? You know what's funny is Morning, uh, which is one of my favorite songs on this record. When I first wrote that song, um, that's the only song that's on the record that's old. That's That wasn't like written or created around the time of making this record. Uh, when we got to the studio and we had the 11 songs, one of them... Uh, was a beat toad <laughs> and and I sent him like I sent Ben like 15 other tracks of like older tracks to choose from and he loved morning and I'm so glad he did because we got to recreate it and have Taylor at the forefront of that song but um, when I first wrote it I actually wouldn't say the words if you're not her please be gone in the morning I would either leave the word out or I'd say like hurt or like I would just twist it because I was so nervous about having a song that referred to gender in it and to have it be I didn't want it to be limited as like a queer song and it's I feel like I've changed so much since writing it because when I hear a song about another girl sung from a girl I'm so overwhelmingly happy to feel myself represented and I love that we can have that in the in this music and do that for people I hope does music influence the uh, way you experience gender what i'd say so 
music influence the way you experience gender? Well, I didn't yeah. think about um, gender often because I listened to mainly male artists growing definitely. up. Like other than Tori and like I I can't even think of many female artists that I would listen to as a kid. Like everything was male artists like Radiohead and The Killers and yeah, I really didn't um see my own gender very well or see it as like a barrier to anything because I felt like I was being expressed or my emotions were being expressed uh through music, which to me is is very genderless. genderless. Yeah. What about you, B? I mean I don't know. Okay, so music through Yeah, it's a confusing concept, but I feel like those two are more intertwined than than we think they are and that's kinda the the raison d'être beyond behind this podcast, at least I pretend it is so it feels like it's got a reason to exist but you know i definitely feel you because in other art forms i've i've really felt it like i'm really big into anime but a lot of the times i'd be watching it i would see myself portrayed as usually the young boy character whether it's a protagonist or an antagonist even like i would always see myself be reflected back as that and i really didn't understand like what was happening um i would like you know, steal my brother's clothes all the time, like cut my hair really short. And I would always want to like present more male, like more male gender. And, you know, but like growing up in a really small town, I didn't even know that it was okay to be interested in the same sex. I didn't know that it was okay to not feel like you're the same sex that like you physically were. Like it was, it was a really big learning curve, but I feel like music and television and those other art forms like you're totally right it is a they they do coincide really strong with each other because that's a way of expressing yourself through other like forms of expression and yeah like the first time i ever felt like not in costume was when i dressed up with a binder at an anime convention for the character that was a a, a boy character in the show that i was so into because i it, i felt validated from his character in it and like I remember putting on my binder and putting on the wigs and just being myself, even though I was physically in costume. And that was like, <laughs> like looking back at it, I'm like, oh no, no, yeah, you're definitely genderqueer, like, <laughs> like or whatever. So that was uh, that was really interesting. But yeah, you're totally right. And when it comes to your own music, do you feel like that um, comes up more in? the lyrics or the way you approach melodies when it comes to singing uh, about gender or like making music about gender um i mean i i didn't plow through your entire uh album looking for lyrics or metaphors to be like aha that might be about gender or anything but is is there a way um like apart from you know you two being a couple the, your queer identity also pops up in there that's an interesting question i feel like um, express ourselves like, yeah, I so. mean, I, I hope that the album as a whole, like, runs the spectrum of gender. Um, for me, I was always referred to in press, like, up until recently as the female version of so-and-so, yeah. um, of all male artists. And so I felt like being very strong or aggressive or, like, however it is that it comes across, um was more of like the male character out of the two of us. But I feel like as Taylor and my relationship grew and I got to understand Taylor better, I watch her character shift so much from being like the ingenue in one song where she's singing like the very feminine 
melodies, the higher melodies, um, the softer melodies to being like the lower, like grounding kind of masculine energy of the song. Like something, the difference between Sing Me to Sleep and Walk, um, like her gender shifts within the track. So it's really, I've been, I found it, like if I think about it, I mean, I never did before, but you know, it's, it hopefully just covers the spectrum. There's no one role for either of us in the band um, or in the songs themselves. Because we're human, like. Yeah, I mean, I don't identify as genderqueer, but I don't see music necessarily on a gender spectrum. And so I've never really thought about it. And then knowing that Taylor is genderqueer, like, I can see how that plays some kind of a role in the the arrangements and and in the the songs itself. Yeah. Yeah, no, with that, I also realized that this question might have been a long shot, but I thought, hey, you know, maybe maybe something comes up. And the way you exp- described it, like the way gender shifts throughout the track, not going to overanalyze it too much because, you know, that would take away a little bit of the magic. But I feel like definitely, uh, you know, people listening to your music with that statement in mind could be like, yeah, I totally feel it. I totally understand it. Thank you for asking that. I never thought about that before. That's really cool. Oh, you know, that's just me trying to be a journalist. Let's move on to track number three, though. Um, twin size, ba- uh, twin size matters by the front bottom. Ma- mattress. Uh, twin size. Uh, oh yeah, tr- twin size mattress. Yeah. This is for the lions living in the wiry, broke down frames of my friends' bodies. When the flood water comes, it ain't gonna be clear. It's gonna look like mud. But I will help you swim I will help you swim I'm gonna help you swim This is for the snakes and the people they bite For the friends I've made For the sleepless nights For the warning signs I've completely ignored There's an amount to take Reasons to take more It's no big surprise You turn this way when they closed their eyes and prayed you would change and they cut your hair and sent you away you stopped by my house the night you escaped with tears in my eyes i begged you to stay you said hey man i love you but no fucking way that we could find something for you to do on stage maybe shake a tambourine or when i sing you sing harmony
my emo punk songs. I love this band so much. And that was also the last live music experience that Natalie and I got to do as、uh, audience members. They came to LA and we like, got front row、uh, right next to the barrier. But it was amazing. They, like, even when they're singing about like, sad things, like, the energy of their live shows is just so inspiring. Like, watching them live definitely influences the way that I want to be a live musician. And I think that this song is really just powerful. How do you mean powerful? He's like, I don't want to blame anymore. Like, I don't know. If you, when, you, when you listen to it, it's, it's I don't know. It's I don't、like, know. Front Bottoms does, I don't know why I keep shifting towards this, but Front Bottoms also does a really good job, like Tori Amos, of、uh, inserting humor into like really vulnerable messages. And I feel like they do a great job of like, Like, I love their music and the energy that it creates. Because sometimes you're expressing really serious things, like, like I've always done, in like a really dark humored way. And I love that, that he does that and is just incredibly straightforward in, in the music.、Yeah. But Taylor definitely introduced me to this band. That's been a big influence. I feel like the emo aspect of it all, like, is that, how, is that present still in your own music? Because I, I, I had. Some, with some creativity, I could find it, but it, it, it took me some effort. Yeah.、Um, for me, emo feels a little bit derogatory, especially like when referring to like music acts.、Uh, but I feel like that vulnerability and the like the punk sense, like to, to express yourself vulnerable through like a I don't give a fuck attitude, like I feel like that's what I love about Front Bottoms. And I definitely feel like that has influenced at least like. Me as a musician, for sure. So, when people go, like, I'm just going to throw out the question here. When people go see、uh, Hey King in, in concert as soon as it's possible again, what can they expect? I would hope fun. <laughs> I would hope, like, because, like, wow, we have so much pent up, like, ah,、oh, like, I, I feel for every musician out there because I feel like we've just been waiting and waiting for that connection with people because it's, It's one thing to like be releasing music during this time, but it's another thing to be releasing music without the ability to share it with the community, like in person community, you know? Like, I'm an introvert, but when I play live shows, I feel, I don't know, I feel like I'm a part of this whole human experience and I'm not alone. And I think that that's a lot what live music does to people and why live music is so important within society and community is it gives them. Like this feeling, whether it's like a line of a song or like an instrumentation that like just hits home,、uh, that's, you know, wordless. It gives people that sense that like they're not alone. They are in this with others that like relate and feel the same. Yeah. And I feel like they can definitely expect that if nothing else, like we will leave everything on the stage. Like we both take it really seriously to be incredibly vulnerable and to. You know, go to where the songs originated from. I think that songs are, you know, time traveling in a sense. And like, it's important to get back to the root of like why you felt the need to say and share what it is you, you needed to say. And there's been so many times on stage, like touring with Ben, where you're like in your head for a second, like, holy shit, I'm pretty much reading my diary in front of 5,000 people and they're all <laughs> like right here. Like, it's, Very overwhelming.、Um, but, you know, we definitely are, are very vulnerable up there. 
you know, just for the this small opportunity that you have that human connection and that like you reach somebody out there that needs to hear something or share something back with you. Um, it's all worth it. Even it's if it's just it. that one, one person, person that needed to hear it. You'll yeah. also hear a lot of terrible banter. Probably. We're out of experience on I banter. I like to take, <laughs> tell a lot of jokes <laughs> for no reason. She does. It's pretty bad. <laughs> and I love it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this has been, this, this came up several times, like during our conversation today, like it's, it's a mixture between vulnerability and humor like how do you how do you mix those i don't think i ever put any thought into it until i was sick and then you kind of have to when things are at their worst like you kind of ride that line between <laughs> like being incredibly incredibly sad about things and having like a really you develop like a really dark sense of humor about them and i think they both kind of go hand in hand it's like that kind of comes up on stage. It's all. It also might be a defense mechanism to balance out, like pouring your heart out, and then you make a joke afterwards. Hundred percent. Uh, to just kind of lighten the mood. I don't, for yourself. Yeah, let I don't alone know the if, I, if I. Yeah, it's definitely for me <laughs> more than them because I'm not sure they find anything I say funny. I do, <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, it's it kind of like I don't know. And then I've noticed a lot of other artists that do that, and I'm and I definitely feel that that all comes from the same place where either you know humor is building and releasing tension and you are like creating such a vulnerable build space up. and build up that sometimes when a song ends you're like well you know like i don't know just lighten the mood for a second but i don't i have no idea that was supposed to be a joke no, about <laughs> hearing terrible banter. Yeah, no, but I can get it. Like for for you, Natalie, it might have been having been having been sick, but for other people's, it might have been you know a coping mechanism to deal with bigoted parents or whatever, or you know. Yeah, we definitely um, try to have a sense of humor about that because it's impossible to get away from. Like we're always gonna, you know, have people out there that don't like it, but it's worth the people that get to hear it. You know, and it, and, and feel validated by it too. You know, when Half Alive came out, we got you know the hate, which was fine, but we also got messages from people who were like extremely religious uh, and Christian, who were like, you know, I hear the term "love is love," but until I saw you two interact and heard this music, I didn't really understand it, and now I completely stand behind that, mm. and it's changed my perspective on on queerness and on you know just the, that whole concept and that was a really incredible thing to hear from people too um you know so th that's obviously the more important yeah and there's there's it. always going to be those two sides of the coin and one Definitely. side is made worth it because of the other one like i i don't mind getting any hate if it means that like it will reach the people that it needs to reach all right um i think we're about talked out here for today um I want to thank you so much for coming on. This is this has been fun. Dude, thank, oh, thank you guys you so, so much, much for the opportunity. That was awesome. Right. Um before uh before we sign off, any any loose thoughts that you want to get rid of? Any uh any 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 last words? No, I think that the last song that you're going to play, I believe is Sorry. Definitely check out the music video for that. Uh, or any of these tracks we had a blast especially making this one yeah this um, music video for sorry was a lot of fun and it definitely like kept us working out our creative muscles during the pandemic <laughs> yeah 
All right. How did the music how did the music video came to be? Uh, you know, we always just saw this as a song about, you know, breaking tension and being back in touch with like your childish your, self. Yeah, your childish self and like love like I mean, going from like just being in a crappy mood to like turning on a a crazy star lamp and a bunch of music and dancing around like is something that we definitely love and we wanted to see that entire relationship on camera with like an older couple and so uh taylor's worked with uh, the Dietz. actress eileen Dietz in the past we thought she'd be fantastic for this so she introduced us to her husband thomas and the two of them have been together for 40 something years and watching their chemistry on screen and them get to really like play with each other <laughs> and like build a fort and jump on the couch and spray each other with silly string and <laughs> and you know like to uh, smash a pie in each other's face like there was a lot they had so much fun I and love they were fantastic and so that was definitely one of my favorite projects i've ever done was getting to work with taylor and and capturing them on screen um both their love and like yeah just their silliness their silliness their love yeah which is i think what this song needed right um i just remembered one last question like out of all of your songs in the album why specifically this one i think this one does a good job at like uh kind of introducing us like if uh you know if your listeners haven't heard about hey king before um i think it has everything from like you know our, one our humor <laughs> and then another one our vulnerability like i know that's been like a basic theme for this interview in particular but like the song starts off and it's really sad because it's coming from a place of truth and it's like i don't know what like why we're in this rut and why like we always break out into like these tiffs and then you realize though that it's not the other person it's like yourself sometimes projects those negative things onto whoever is near you nearest to you and then you see your bad mirror through them, even though they love you. I love this song to like speak for for us if it's like a first time listener. I also really love the music video too. So, so that's like yeah, and the orchestration. I think really like sums up a lot of like our sound. You know, everything's in this one, <laughs> like from strings to horns to like like how we play live. Yeah, to like, like my jingle jam bells, yeah. like the weird weird tinks. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. So everything from like the lyrics, the message, and then uh, the instrumentation. I think of this song is a really good representation that I'm proud to put forward whenever we get the chance. All right. With that coming up, the Hey King 101 apparently with uh, their track called Sorry. But first, uh, I want to thank you all again for listening. This has been Queer Sounds. If you want to support this show financially, you can do so through patreon.com slash queersounds. You can get access to uh, our Discord server there, which you know features other listeners, uh, guests from previous episodes, and some personal friends as well, just for the fun of it. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Queer Sounds Pod. And yeah, I guess that's it. Thank you and bye-bye. Did I get out of bed wrong? Did it mean for the light to hit your face? You were tossing and turning all night, fighting with your demons. My body just got in the way. And all the while you apologize for things that I never said you've done. So we're right back at the beginning of a fight No one's ever won Well stop saying sorry 
please Do I need to tattoo across my forearm? Jesus Christ, love, I'm on your teeth Stop saying sorry, please I wanna fall asleep in your arms Instead of waking up on my knees Waking up on my To hear something I didn't say What are we fighting about anyway? It I didn't say a second like to hear something it doesn't sound I like something I would say. Stop! 